Amen. Thank you, Janet. Good morning. Just uh, put my own plug in for uh, the fall fill-up this year. You know, the, it's a fundraiser event for, uh, for projects that go on all over the place, but this year it's our effort downtown. But I want to encourage you to come out and see Dwayne Laughlin. He, he's an amazing guy. As Mike said, he used to be a preacher here before Rob came, and uh, I've met Dwayne on several occasions, but have never really had a chance to tell him what an impact he made on my life. Uh, I came up here at the time when God was getting a hold of, of my life, and I took, I think, every, a copy of every single sermon he ever gave. You know, they were on cassette tapes, and I drove around a field for one whole summer uh, doing various farm chores and listened to his sermons on, uh, on tape. And I still use a lot of his illustrations to this day because uh, he was a, a very good teacher. So come out and enjoy him. And encourage your children that these boxes actually do get to kids. Um, so many times we do things and you wonder what happens to them. And Connie and I happened to have the privilege of being in Grenada one year after a hurricane. We were working for the Billy Graham Association when uh, a shipload, a sh ship container of these boxes looking just like this showed up and uh, were distributed to children who had lost pretty much everything in a hurricane. So uh, it, they do get to where you... In pray they get to. So thank you for giving them. We're continuing our work uh, in the life of Paul. We're going to study basically what he taught and why he taught it. We're looking at his life because in his life there's, uh, when, you, when you know a little bit about a person, you kind of know why they say what they do and how they say what they do. And we've been Thus far, looking into the life of Saul, uh, the, the Pharisee turned evangelist. Um, we're at that juncture in his life where we're, you know, we saw him have his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And now he's in that span of time, uh, you know, 14 to 17 years where he basically was discipled by Christ. He, uh, you know, he, he preached for a little bit uh, after his conversion, and then he uh, kind of disappeared for a while. Not necessarily disappeared. You just don't hear a whole lot about this span of his life. Uh, he hadn't started his missionary journeys yet. This is this period of time where God was teaching him what he needed to know to do what God had called him to do. It was a, it was a, uh, a time of growing up for Paul. So we're somewhere in, he's writing about that experience to the Corinthians. That's where we're going to be looking today is in the, one of his letters to the Corinthians. But he's, he's writing about this, uh, some events that took place in his life and some ongoing events that, that continued on through his life. And we're going to see what we can, can learn from that. I'm in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
And I'm going to read part of what Bill uh, had in his message last week uh, because it kind of overlaps a little bit. I'm going to start in verse 1. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up into the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I, for if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I, do not, for I will not be speaking the truth, but I, re, I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from this, so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the surpassing greatness of the, the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the, implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is an interesting passage, uh, and much is made of it sometimes uh, as far as speculations as to what Paul saw in his revelations uh, and what this thorn that he speaks of may have uh, been in his life. But the scripture says, you know, God, God uh, spoke through the prophet. He said, the things that I have hidden, leave them hidden. The things that I have clearly revealed, those know and teach. So we're not going to speculate about what things are. We might mention a few things that, that uh, they could possibly be because I believe in reference to this thorn, I think we all have some understanding in our own lives. But we have to remember who Paul is to understand the thorn that God you know, allowed him to be uh, buffeted by uh, or plagued by. Remember, Paul was a, uh, he was a rather proud man. He boasted uh, probably often about his credentials. He even writes about his credentials in saying that this is what he was and this is what he uh, counted as rubbish. Uh, in, in Galatians chapter 1, he says this of himself, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries, among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. He kind of was constantly measuring himself against everybody else. And in uh, Philippians chapter 3, he says this of himself. 
For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and, the glor and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else had a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. You know, Paul had the credentials, uh, but it was his pride that fueled him. It was in his ability to learn. It was in his ability to uh, organize things. It was in his ability that he took great pride before he met Christ. But that was Paul's flesh. Now, there's a word in the Bible that's translated flesh. It's S-A-R-X in, the, uh, in the, the Greek. But it's translated flesh in, in kind of two different con uh, contexts. It's, it could mean the physical body, uh, the, the physical being of a person. But it can also mean the pattern of independent living, that pattern of, of self-taught or gleaned from the world, that pattern of living independent from Christ, living under the, the strength of one owns, one's own power, uh, utilizing whatever talents or abilities they might, they might have. But what a, it's, it's a life lived independent of God, a pattern of living learned that in, did not involve God or any humbleness, any, any dependence upon Christ at all. Everybody's got a pattern of the flesh. And so uh, Paul's pattern of his flesh was simply that. I'm going to show you what I can do. And it was, a, it was pride. Now, the Bible speaks a lot about pride. Uh, I looked up 50, 55 verses this morning, as a matter of fact, and picked out a couple of them. Uh, in Psalm 36.11, it says, Let not the foot of pride come upon me, and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. In Proverbs, it says, When pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. The pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiness of men will be abased, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. In John, 1 John chapter 2, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The definition of pride is haughtiness, arrogant, highness, swelling, pomp, or lifted up. In other words, it's man at his best being ugly. <laughs> uh, it's man at his best in his own ability showing the best he can do independent of God. That was Paul. His name was Saul, which uh, means desired. 
Uh, remember, King Saul was the one that the people desired. Uh, Paul's name was, was originally Saul, uh, which means that desired. But God changed his name to Paul, which means small or little. And I think there's some significance in that because uh, this is what God had to do in Paul's life. He had to take him from his lofty thoughts of himself and bring him low so that God may be exalted through him. And it's been 14, 17 years at this point, and Paul's getting it. He's realizing that he's got a purpose, he's got a mission in life that God has mapped out for him, and it's going to involve tremendous things. God is going to use Paul as an ambassador. He's going to use Paul as a teacher. He's going to use Paul as an example. And I believe that's part of the reason why he gave him that revelation. We don't know what the revelation was. We don't know if he was, you know, had an out-of-body experience. Like he said, he didn't know. Oh, God knows. But the revelation was amazing, apparently. He said he couldn't even utter what he saw. He couldn't even repeat the words that he heard. So why was he given this revelation? I think, personally, he was going to need it. Paul is going to go through in his life some amazing... He's going to go through some amazing difficulties. He's going to go through hardships like you can't believe. Uh, you know, the guy gets stoned by the, the Jews. He gets... Uh, left for dead. He gets shipwrecked several times. He gets beaten multiple times. He gets imprisoned. You know, he's going to need something to hang on to. He's going to know why he's doing what he's doing. What's the cause? What's the purpose? And I believe God gave him that uh, in this revelation, or at least that's part of it. But Paul is given something else to keep him on track. It's a thorn. The, I looked up that word to make sure it is what it says it is, and it's a thorn. <laughs> it's a splinter or uh, a barb uh, like we would know a thorn. And he uses that as an example to say, there's something that repeatedly brings me pain. There's something that repeatedly bugs me. There's an irritant. There's something that, that is constantly a reminder to me every step I take or every movement I make or whatever. And Paul doesn't like this thorn. But it's interesting. It says that God gave him this thorn. And it's a messenger of Satan. Brings up an interesting point, one that people talk about. Uh, you know, Scripture is very clear that God has no part in evil. He doesn't, he doesn't do evil. Men do evil. Uh, evil is anything that we do independent of God. It's the flesh. It's what we do 
demonstrating there is no God or our belief that we don't need a God. That's evil. And we're going to deal with evil. There's evil all around us. And, and every time we sin, that's evil. Every time somebody else sins, that's evil. And we have to deal with it. Evil comes from man's choices to ignore God and to, and to play God himself. But there's an evil messenger sent to him. It's clearly a demon. Uh, remember, uh, the demons uh, are um, cohorts of Satan. Their, their purpose, they do all kinds of things on this planet, but, uh, but they're always purposing to avert the work of God, to disrupt the work of God, to cause men to lean on their own understanding, to walk in their own strength as opposed to acknowledging God. Their purpose is to thwart anything that God does. So why would God allow such a messenger? Well, because it's the only thing that's going to keep Paul humble. You know, Paul's tendency is to kind of promote himself. And so this messenger, clearly, Paul makes it very clear in 2 Corinthians, the purpose of the thorn is to keep me from exalting myself. He starts off the sentence with it in verse 7, and he ends the, sec the, sentence, or ends the sentence with it, to keep me from exalting myself. In other words, to keep me humble. And it must have done the job. But it must have been something that he dealt with a lot because it says that he, he prayed repeatedly, prayed three times, he mentioned, that God would take it from him. And God didn't. It's something Paul needed to keep him on track. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Despite whatever this thorn was, whatever, whether it was a physical ailment, you know, the, there's all kinds of speculation. It was kind of interesting reading some of, uh, you know, some people's take on, on what this thorn is, and, and some see it as a physical uh, uh, disability of some kind, whether it was his eyesight, because there's several references to him having bad eyes, you know, uh, there's, it, whether it was migraines, whether it was uh, epilepsy, uh, we don't know. But a lot of people speculate that it was something physical. But it could also be something soulish. It could be something that, that he was tormented by because that's, what, uh, that's how Satan works. Uh, it could be something uh, soulish. It could be a mental onslaught of, that, that produced all kinds of, of emotional upheaval in, in Saul's life. It could be, uh, could be guilt, could be shame, could be sorrow, could be depression, could be anxiety, uh, could be a besetting sin like lust or coveting or something like that. Point is... It could be anything. But the other point is, God will use it. And I believe we've all got one. 
at least one. I believe there's a weakness in our, in our makeup. There's a weakness in our flesh or in, in our uh, abilities where, where that gets exploited sometimes to keep us humble. I know there is in my life. I know there's, uh, there's a, something I've prayed repeatedly and asked God to remove from me, and, and he hasn't, so I'm pretty sure it's my thorn, uh, it's guilt, it's shame over the way, over, over some of the decisions I've made in life, over the ways I've, I've in the past where I lived my own life independent of God, and, and even as a believer making decisions that, uh, that profited nothing, in fact, uh, quite the opposite. And I get reminded of those things constantly, especially when I'm when I'm preparing to speak, when I'm, when I'm going to be teaching other people. It's, it's like I get bombarded with this stuff uh, and I have to deal with it. I have to fight it off because it's like, who am I to be able to, to proclaim God's word? And in fact, it's, it, it, for me, there's been numerous times uh, where I've just asked God if I could do something else because I don't like dealing with that. And quite honestly, I feel like God said, Pat, you can, you can do whatever you want. But then he asked me, what else can you do? <laughs> so here I am. But I think we all have one. I think we all have something in our life that makes us de- keeps us dependent upon God. I think there's something that, that uh, God uses in our life, a messenger, whether it's a messenger of Satan, whether it's some sort of, of inability or, or whatever, to keep us from recognizing our dependence upon God and, and just how little we are, just how small we are. Apart from him, the scripture says, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Those were words of Paul's. He found out because of this thorn. He was reminded constantly of that. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have one? I think you do. I want to ask you to think about that and to pray about that because you might be trying to get rid of something God has given you as a blessing. It's not one of those blessings that you, that you really jump up and say, praise God, look what he did. Uh, it's one of those blessings that keep you where you need to be, that keeps you on track that keeps you mindful of God, of your dependence upon Him, what might it be in your life? Because oftentimes, we're trying to get rid of that. And the focus of our prayer is constantly on getting rid of that. After the third time, God said, that's enough, Paul. You know, let's not, let, don't keep asking me for this. Don't, don't, don't waste your breath or your time asking me 
to remove this because I'm not going to. Because you need it. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. When you're weak, you recognize your dependence upon me, and when you are dependent upon me, then you're strong. You're, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I reveal myself when you get out of the way. That's what he was telling Paul. And you know what? It's what he's telling all of us. He's asking us if we would get out of the way and make ourselves available to him, for him to live his life, express himself through us so that others would get the message. Paul's going to be the evangelist to the Gentiles. And he's a model for all of us. We've all got our own world. We've all got our own sphere of influence that God wants to reveal himself to. But the one person that keeps getting in the way is ourself. So God wants to remind us to get out of the way and to, and to become a, a partner with him in living our life and his life where others would benefit from God's presence in us, where we could experience manifold greatness, blessing, all kinds of abundance. So what's your thorn? Pray about it. See what God tells you. You might look at what you've been praying about for a long time and it hasn't changed. That might be the place to start. But what I want you to do when you recognize it is recognize why it's there. Because what happens is whenever God's wanting to do something, whenever there's, and he's wanting to do something a lot, all the time, but it's like at these critical moments where all of a sudden Satan tries to swell our pride to get us in the way, that's when you'll experience that thorn. That's when you'll be reminded of something. That's when all of a sudden you'll be wrestling with something. And he, it's a heads up. It's saying, hey, pay attention. Stay on course. Walk with me the Holy Spirit will be telling you. So use it to your advantage, but pray about it, because I think we've all got one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are and what you do and, and how you do it. We, uh, we would probably like things a lot different at times in our life. We'd like to not have whatever thorn we have or... Uh, disability or struggle that we might have. But Father, if it causes us to be available to you, if it furthers your kingdom, if it furthers your work, then we're going to praise you for it. Father, show us what you do in our own personal lives to keep us on track, that we might embrace it, that we might learn from it and use it. So, Father, we just thank you for how you do work. We know you're beyond comprehension, but we know that we're going to uh, have all of eternity to figure out who you are. 
to discover the greatness of who you are. We just pray that each day we're learning more and more of who you are. And we'll trust you for the work that you want to do in our life and the way that you want to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Stay warm. Oh, if anybody would like to...